The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 143, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, hashtag new profile pic. How you doing, brother? Yeah, thanks, man. Everything is delicious, which is actually how uh, that deck signed off. I don't know if you saw that or not, but she just threw that in there. <laughs> we had a really cool... So I got an email the other day, uh, it was a couple of days ago, just from a, a listener who I think is in New York. Her name is Grace Min. Uh, she's a big fan of the show. And apparently Mike on the QB Sco show a couple of weeks ago said, uh, as, uh, for a logo on air, uh, I made this for you guys. And I don't know how to get this to you other than your email. And so she just sent me like a deck and i also had to download it and i was like i could probably be killing my computer right now this would be a good fake out but i really want to see what this is yeah. and so i'm that yeah it says the kiss and soul like show brandy guide everything is delicious november 4th 2019 i really appreciated that it's amazing you know so she sent over like il- illustrations and branding and a logo and stuff and it was super duper cool the pinnacle of which was this little computer drawing i don't know the technical term of me and Mike chilling together watching film, which just makes me smile. It's so precious. We're wearing matching slippers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you have a mug with Mitchell Trubisky's face on it. It's just really funny. Um, so that was super cool, Grace. Really appreciated that. Um, I when I, I when I texted Grace, I asked if she had any socials to, to plug or design site to share. She said she really didn't, but shout out on the show because that was super cool I, that was delightful so thank you so much yeah and that's where mike's new profile picture is so if you follow us on twitter uh and you're wondering where that wonderful little cartoon mike shot your hair by the way just perfect yeah um if you wonder where that came from it came from grace men so thanks grace we appreciate it absolutely thank you so much grace we we love it and we would love to have you do more stuff for us so be be prepared to work some more for us because <laughs> i i absolutely love it all right ben so today we're going to be doing the film review of the Eagles and the Bears. There is a ton to talk about, just a, a lot of plays that I've been putting up on Twitter. I thought this was a well-coached game. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the recent addition. Ben, he's yes. back. 
He's back, baby. Addition by subtraction by addition by subtraction by addition. I don't know how to feel about this one. 27-year-old November street free agent Jordan Matthews returns to the Eagles because they are desperately searching for answers. Because if you look at the you know yards per route run leaderboard per PFF, there are 100 wide receiver qualifiers with 20% minimums. Jeffrey is at 1.53 yards per route run. He's 51st. Aguilar is at 90. Holland is at 98th. They are getting not enough production. I mean, this is heavily documented as far as the wide receivers go. I mean, the best thing you can say about Matthews is he was able to pass a physical, number one, which I wasn't sure he was going to be able to do. And number two, he does have chemistry with Carson Wentz. I'm not particularly excited about it, but I'm willing to try just about anything to see if we can get more production from the wide receiver position that is severely lacking. So we're getting it from the tight ends and the running backs, at least, you know, with Sanders and Ertz and Goddard. We are not getting it from the wide receiver group. How do you feel about this signing, Ben? I like it. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. And like, man, not a thing I'm used to saying on the podcast. But Elliot Shore Parks, I think, with a really good perspective on this. Uh, in terms of what, like, like the Eagles, like, I, I don't know, Mike, you watched this game. Yeah. None of these cats can separate. And when they are, and when they are getting open and they're like the second or third read or whatever. I mean, we talked about the Hollins rep in the Bills game. Like, when's just didn't want to throw to yeah. him. Yeah, so I have a great screen grab uh, that I shall post on Twitter after this show, uh, where it's so third and four, I want to say, third and four, 35 in the second quarter. I'll see if I can find it while I'm talking. And and Carson... Is it 734? Is it the spot concept? No. Sorry, I'm jumping yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, but like, no, but like, that's also a great example. The, the In that play, the Eagles go bunch set mm. with three receivers and the Bears, the Bears respond with three corners. And nobody opens up, which is like objectively an issue, right? Yeah. And so absolutely you add somebody like Jordan Matthews, who is a modest athlete, who, you know, has had his issues with drops at times in Philadelphia, but is generally a more consistent catcher. Matthews, and we talk about creating separation all the time, right? And like, you know, like you need receivers who can separate. The Eagles have no speed. They have nobody who can separate. Well, separation doesn't mean I'm the wide receiver, you're covering me, and I've gotten so far away from you that you can't even touch me. That's great. Like, that's ideal. But that's not what separation always is. Separation is at its forefront leverage between you, defender, and where the quarterback wants to put the ball, I am. That is that is the primary idea of separation. Yeah. I have created a throwing window for my quarterback where he knows he can place this football and it will be safe from the defense. Would you say it's more like creating a window at the catch right, point? Right, exactly. So the, what, I, what like when I think what I think we call separation as fans, well, the league and especially a team like the Eagles in terms of the concept they run, they just want leverage. Yeah. Right. Like Zach Ertz is touchdown. Let's go to Zach Ertz's touchdown. It's the uh, second quarter or the third quarter. Second quarter, six twenty-seven. So this is this is uh, Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the backside. They're flooding to the strong side, and then Ertz is just running an isolation bang eight post on the backside. Mm-hmm. He mosses the like he just bodies Kyle Fuller, yeah. right? Kyle Fuller's begging for OPI. Probably could have gotten it. It was worse than the Dallas Goddard thing against <laughs> Dallas last year, right? <laughs> but this is so is Zach Ertz ever gonna run away from Kyle Fuller? No. Never. It won't happen. Zach Ertz is not quick and not fast for like a wide receiver. For a tight end, he's fine. But like against Kyle Fuller, who's a really shifty corner, Zach Ertz is never going to run away from him. He's never going to separate from him, right? Like just outrun him or shake him on the top of routes. What does he do? Zach Ertz runs right at Kyle Fuller. He initiates contact with Kyle Fuller. And then he flips his hips, flips his shoulders. And now he's presented a throwing window. And because Ertz is a big boy, this ends up being separation. He ends up being able to get yak. This ends up being a touchdown. But even if Fuller retains his feet here, 
Ertz is, it has created a throwing window. Carson delivers a heater. What's a tackle at the four? Okay. Look at look at the anticipation that Wentz, Wentz knows this is going to come open. He knows that Ertz is going to be more physical than Fuller because when he starts to unleash this thing, he's still got a couple steps of Ertz within the contact window with with right. Fuller. He's 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 pressing him. And that's what it looks like when you and hear me out on this trust the player you're throwing the football to, right? Which is like a little bit of a novel concept here Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, right? Which brings me back to the Zach Ertz play that I'm so desperately trying to find. I believe it's first quarter 246. Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, First and five. The Eagles are running what uh, I know is their pirate concept. So two square ends from two receivers to the backside. This ends up being a six-yard completion to Ertz. He's up against Roquan Smith, who's in catch man coverage. So Roquan's going to sit five yards off the ball, let Ertz come to him and get physical with Ertz right at the edge of that contact window. Meanwhile, Nelson Aguilar's on the outside. (laughs) He's got off coverage. So when both Ertz and Aguilar break about five yards down the field, Ertz is in contact Mm. with Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is literally on his back. Mm -hmm. Nelson Aguilar, about three, four yards of cushion between him and, and, and the corner who's potentially closing on this. Carson throws this ball to Ertz. Yeah. <laughs> Carson doesn't want to throw it to Aguilar. This is what trust in a receiver looks like. And Ertz obviously isn't a wide receiver, but he is a passing target. Roquan has inside leverage. This this is a this is good coverage, good leverage, good positioning from one of uh, one of the better linebackers in the league. But you're still going to throw it to your tight ends. You expect Ertz to be able to cross face, get on this inside cut, make a tough catch in traffic. Aguilar's got all coverage. Yep. No interest. Easy throw. Right? Yeah. This is what it, go, it comes back to to me. I thought there were times in this game where Carson predetermined who the ball was going to go to. I think there were times in this game where Carson was like, I want to give Aguilar a shot here. I want to give Alshon a shot here. Right. But the pass distribution, the, the target distribution, it's not natural. It's synthetic at best because Carson clearly is like trying to get Aguilar's juices flowing. Right. Or like with Matt Collins, like he doesn't even he's not even there anymore. Like, There's no point in trying to get Matt Collins targets. He's not regularly consistently separating. He's not doing much with the ball in his hands. It's not it's not a pass catching target with whom Carson has rapport. So back all the way to the salient point, Carson and Jordan Matthews have shown the ability to play together successfully over the multiple years that Jordan Matthews has been there and back again for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. I think it's a good move. I think that it, it, it's it's. Do I think the Eagles' deep offense is suddenly going to start throwing the ball down the field more? No. But this is a guy I think you can more consistently trust in the short to intermediate areas than they have right now with Nelson Aguilar, Matt Collins, and, like, Lord forgive me, sometimes with Alshon Jeffrey, who did not have his prettiest game mm. on Sunday. Yeah. And there are a couple points that I want to hit on there. There's two throws I really want to get to. But first, I want to go to quarter three, 427. This is what you're talking about when you say you want to get Nelson Aguilar going, and it comes at the expense of of the offense. And this is one of the couple throws that I think, you know, there was opportunities missed by Wentz. First and 10, and you're going to get Nelson Aguilar capped outside by Prince of Mukamara. What you also have is there's a bunch of linebackers, whatnot, stiffing around. One's going to come on a blitz. The middle opens wide for Zach Ertz, and yep. he's working against HaHa Clinton Dix. This is a green light throw to Zach Ertz based on the leverage, based on the space all day, every day. But instead, Wentz puts it up for Aglor, who is capped, is not physical. As soon as he gets contact, he melts like butter on a cast iron pan, does not make a play on the ball, goes incomplete. So that was one missed opportunity. The other... Right, and you feel bad about this because the deep middle safety rotates strong. Mm-hmm. And so you have your speed receiver, hypothetically, 
one-on-one against not the better corner, Prince Mukumara. And he's got a little, you know, double moves. He's got a little shake and go. He's got a little, you know, inside stem to outside. This is a rep that you want this player to win. Mm-hmm. This is, like, when you take deep shots, this is what you're going to get in the NFL. You're getting, you're getting one-on-one coverage, no safety help with a corner against safety and press man coverage. You have to be able to win these reps. Yep. And so, number one, and this is why people say, like, you know, Aguilar is good at creating separation. He's a good route runner. This is a bad route. He doesn't create separation. He remains capped the entire time. Yep. Remember I said, to me, separation is quarterback wants to put the ball there. I'm going to get myself between that spot and the defender. Well, he never does. Mm-hmm. So the only way this throw is successful is if it's a back shoulder throw because Aguilar fails to stack. You don't want to be throwing back shoulder to Aguilar. He does not have strong hands away from his frame. He's not a good player in the air, and he's not strong before elevating. And even if you do, even if, even if you want that like even if you trusted him Carson's not on the same page with him and so Carson puts this ball try to put it on the top outside shoulder where there's coverage so like we're not uh, Aguilar is not a quality play and then Carson's not on the same page with reading Aguilar's route sense this is why I say this, there's just no chemistry this is just one-on-one I'm supposed to throw in here and I don't want to get the guy to feel like I'm avoiding him so I'm gonna you know but that's like this is why to me like every Aguilar target is not even like a net zero it's a net negative yeah because it's just Right, it's just force feeding a guy to try to wake him up to what justify spending money on him, extend him next year. You're not going to do it. Get him off the field. I agree. Like, like imagine, and Lord forgive me for this. Imagine JJ Arcega White, Arcega White said, "Excuse me," on this route. Right, Arcega White is one of the best back shoulder guys when he came out last year. That's pretty much all that he did. He would get clean releases right. to the outside, and they would throw it back shoulder anyway. <laughs> Right, exactly. Throw a back shoulder. And also, Ortega Whiteside, working off of press coverage with an inside stem to an outside nine release, he did that a ton at Stanford. Yep. Press coverage, not so much. But he's beaten it before. Why is it valuable to get this rep to Aguilar when he is G-O-N-E gone? Yep. And you got a rookie, second round pick, who's going to be here for the next X number of years. I want Carson throwing this ball to him because incomplete is incomplete, but at least in one of them, that, that guy is going to continue to take snaps for you. There's a potential to actually develop into a weapon. Yep. Oh, you know, Alshon's also on the field. So you don't need Nelson on the field anymore. That ship is sailed. Yep. Anyway, yeah, this is not what we're supposed to be talking about, but J.J. Arthur Whiteside, 15 freaking snaps. Yippee ki Yeah. Hopefully he gets some more after the bye week and whatnot. They're done, quote-unquote, cross-training him because Hollins has got to go. And it's either got to be Booth Matthews or it's got to be with J.J. And we can continue that conversation when we see what it looks like after the bye week and they play their first game coming out of that. But let's go to the one that Brian Boldinger put up on uh, on Twitter because Wentz caught some flack yeah. for this one. And I think he's right. It's first quarter, 724. It's third and three. You know, third and goal from the three-yard line. Wentz takes a sack on this. What you're going to get is Ertz is is going to motion tight to the formation with Goddard lined up as a wide receiver. So you're going to get a little stacked release here. And we're just going to run a simple spacing concept. And Ertz is going to attack outside leverage and then come back inside. The window right at the top of the drop, the three-step drop, is there. It's brief. It's might be, It might be a tough catch. There might be some contact. But it is there. And it should come out. And normally, it does come out. So I think... Baldy was right in criticizing Wentz for this. However, here is where I take issue with this because you can go to quarter two, 937, and this is going to be a similar thing. I worry about something when it shows up repeatedly on film. Wentz, this is not a problem for him repeatedly. Second and six, this is going to be 11-yard completion to Ertz. Ertz is going to be in an inline alignment here. He's going to work outside and work back inside. Kyler Fuller's got to pick him up. The linebacker's going to scrape underneath. There is a tiny, tiny window 
between three Bears defenders. Wentz looks to his left at first, sees he doesn't like the Haas concept there with Aglor because he's going to be capped. Wentz's eyes come back, and it's perfect timing. I mean, he fits this thing right. right in the window. And this is what Wentz consistently does, especially with Ertz and the chemistry that they have. So it's not a problem unless it continues to be a problem. And I don't think that type of read that, that Baldy knocked Wentz for was a problem throughout the game. It was it was one play, probably should have pulled the trigger. Later on in the game, very similar situation, same route, same type of window, same type of timing, delivers it on point, and you know, you move the chain. So all these things would, take context. Uh, right. I would also argue on this particular play that when he's looking left, he's not reading, he's holding Danny Trevathan. Yeah, that's running the he's running the pivot route right in front, right at Trevathan and then away from him and, and Carson's staring that down. You got to keep Trevathan right. to the Goddard side to make sure that window stays open. Correct. First. So it's just, I think, I think, I think it's never going uh, to the Haas with with Aguilar. But yeah, I mean, like, I think I fall between you two. I I continue to have issues with Carson predetermining where he's going to throw the football. Um, the Zach Ertz play, yeah, to me is is still though more like aberrative than it is anything else. Like that's just weird. He throws that like ten, nine out of ten times. I have no idea why he didn't throw it. <laughs> yeah. Right, and Ertz doesn't either. Like, Ertz was in the, the end zone, just like, what? <laughs> um, but, you know, and this is, like, obviously, it's the difference between seven and three. Um, but, yeah, I agree that it's not something that, that's that's consistently done for, for for Carson. And so, right, I agree. I'm not terribly concerned about it. Um, generally speaking, was it Carson's greatest game? No. I mean, like. I thought it was solid. Forced some throws. He missed some outbreaking throws. Uh, you know, like, just like, you know, a little bit ahead of Darren Sproles on mesh, a little bit ahead of Zach Ertz on, on, on a. You know, on a first and ten, yeah, you know, against the Blitz, like you know, just a, a little uh, Alshon Jeffrey that nine ball, which like Alshon's running a four eight forty right now, if we're being honest. But <laughs> yeah, he's still got to know. Ahead. I mean, that's still that's still he's got to yeah. know who's throwing to. Yeah, too, so put that's the on ball him. on the body when it comes to Jeffrey. You know, we're not really leading him into space anymore. He just ain't that core, that sort of a player. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so I, I I think that accuracy wasn't his best game. I thought he was a little pushy. I thought that's he took okay. a, I thought he took uh, two of the sacks. I thought were on him. Just, just for him not getting rid of the, the ball. Right. That Zachary's one and then what? The Leonard Floyd one in the third quarter? Correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just, you know, like you got like, obviously, this is my, this is my issue with Dillard, right? Where everybody's like, oh, he's such a good pass protector. He doesn't use his hands. And so when he gets out of his, he's, he, you know, he's got recovery quickness. Cool. But like, this is an example, like he's so late with his hands and he's right. so ineffective with his hands. It's just like, you know, love tap that Floyd's able to, to reset to an inside counter and there's a huge, you know, B gap for him to go chase down once. You're accustomed to having a guy on that left side who sustains blocks like there's no tomorrow in Jason Peters. Right. Um, and, and Dill is just a different different sort of body. Also, I didn't realize this was going to be the case until I was really watching this line. It's so funny looking at Dillard and Jason Kelsey next to Brandon Brooks, Isaac Samalo, and Lane Johnson. Because <laughs> let's never forget, Samalo played tackle at Oregon State, yep. and Brandon Brooks is like 6'5", 335. Lane is huge. And then Kelsey, so you've always been like, oh, Kelsey, just he looks so like full back out there, right? Just like, you know, Jason Peters. Now him and Dillard, like he's got a buddy who just like, they're not that big. They're just like little thin, little skinny guys. Um, though, now that we're in offensive line talk. Yes, let's talk about it. Mike. <laughs> why? I have no idea. You know the whole like, why don't they make the whole plane out of blank meme? Yeah. I have no idea. Like, it's like, it's like the, right, it's like, it's like the black box can't be destroyed in the plane, right? And so it's like, why not make the whole plane out of the black box? Because then the plane would not be able to be destroyed, right? That's the joke. Why don't they make the whole plane out of Jeff Stoutland? I'm telling you, bro. The, I mean, list the good Eagles positional coaches. Ready? Here you go. 
Jeff Stoutland. Justin Peel. Oh, true. Justin Peel. Okay. Make the whole plane out of Jeff Stoutland and put Justin Peel on the plane. <laughs> the Eagles running game. And man, I want to, I want to like sit down and do like a, just like a 5,000 word article on this. You, okay. You're a linebacker. Hmm. You're a linebacker defending the run. What's the first thing you're looking at? Is it what direction the quarterback opens from under center? Is it the first step the running back takes? No, it's not. You do linebacker, you learn to read your keys, and your keys are guard to center. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are your three players that you're most injured, where the offensive line goes, where the ball's going to go. Okay, so this is how linebacking works. The Eagles run three concepts. One is inside zone. Mm-hmm. Two is same side single back power. And we're going to go over all of these in a second. Three is what I've been calling zone windback. I really have no idea what they call it. I couldn't even tell you exactly the rules on it. But they're really good at it. They're really good at it. And I'm talking to people to try to get more perspective on it. So I'm going to try to write about it. So yeah. three concepts. Inside zone, we know. Everybody's going to take uh, you know, a, a horizontal step in one direction. We're going to double team. We're trying to work up and seal off the linebackers. This is an A-gap to B-gap play side run. Cool. Yeah. Same, uh, same side single back power looks exactly like inside zone from the center to the backside tackle, which is a freaking nightmare to deal with when you're the backside linebacker and when you're the backside defensive tackle. Because, okay, let's say that the halfback is lined up behind the right guard. Right, you're in shotgun, you're lined up behind the right guard. Well, the center, the the right guard and the right tackle all take steps that look like inside zone to you. Right. I should actually yeah. And, and then what's gonna happen is your left guard is going to wrap around and he's gonna come by because it's now same side single back power. So that back takes an initial zone step, but he's not going front side A gap to B gap. He's going backside B gap. He's gonna run behind that left guard puller. But when you're in the defensive tackle in front of that right guard, that's inside zone and they're good at this. Yeah. And it's Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. And they're gonna take you 15 yards down the field if you're not paying attention. And for my money, Seo Malu executes these well too. He's a good puller in the run game, yeah. Exactly. This is no, they, all they do is pull Sam Yeah. Why would you pull Sam Malu when you have Brandon Brooks on the down block with Lane Johnson? <laughs> this is not a hard question. Yeah. And, they, and they ran same side single back power a lot more against the Bears than they have in the past, than they have against other teams, but it's still part of their game plan. So, looks like inside zone with Jason Kelsey. Looks like inside zone with Brandon Brooks. Looks like inside zone with Lane Johnson. That defensive tackle starts flowing hard to the front side, and now he's naturally put himself in a situation where he's getting out leveraged from the gap. Lane Johnson can work up from the double team to the weak side linebacker, Saimalo, uh, excuse me, to the strong side linebacker. Saimalo wraps around to the backside, takes out the weak side linebacker, six on six, Jordan Howard, 17 yards, touchdown. Mm. Right? Okay. Zone wideback, Michael, mm. looks exactly like inside zone. To the backside defensive tackle, to the backside linebacker. You've written about something like this before, where they kind of muddy with their steps on different concepts. Yes. Yeah. Jason Kelsey is a cheat code, and the reason he's a cheat code <laughs> is because he is so nimble that he can give you that first step of like, "Hey, I'm running outside zone block <laughs> right now." He's like, oh, my foot, I'm running inside zone, and then he can flip his hips and get back. This uh, and, and I want to. This is how they get to linebackers so effectively. Right, yeah. and, and I'm so happy you brought up this point with Kelsey. Because I was, I was another point that I wanted to make after this rant, but mm. I'll make it now. <laughs> Brandon Brooks playing out of his mind. Oh. No one's going to take that away from him, right? Double teams with, with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Literally, like, there's a, there's a, I think it was the 17-yard run to Howard in the second quarter where they have a double team that 
honestly takes a dude 12 yard back and then they high five afterward they're such happy little throw up brother campers makes me so glad okay they, anyway. they, they've got the run in quarter three i think it's quarter three 14 26 they've got a run in quarter three 10 41 they've got a run in the first quarter it's it's, it's quarter it's, three 14 26 that's the one where they hand off that's that's when they high five right yeah they get serious like hash to hash holes so consistent it's wild right and this play so quarter three 14 26 mm-hmm. this is zone wind mac brandon brooks is not once roquan smith gets on his horse and the weak side linebacker is clearly out leveraging brooks brooks is no longer trying to go and seal him off from the front side now it's just wash everybody down Dallas Goddard's going to try to seal off the backside defensive end. And this is how you know it's a different concept. is because they're they're not trying to climb up to the to the nickel back. Right. They're trying to climb to the safety. They're trying to seal off the backside defensive end. And Howard just leaks in behind this double team. And it's, it's green pastures. Hmm. Right? So we have three concepts that from Kelsey, Brooks, and Lane, assuming the back's to the right side of the formation, which he typically is, looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. As a linebacker, this is the Getting worst. Uh, both like both linebackers get caught outside of the hash. Like they are way out. Right. Because one right off your visual key, this play could either be front side B gap, it could be backside B gap in two different ways. So what do you do? Rock in a hard place. Mm-hmm. Right? And then even when you win, like there's a play where like Roke, like you know, Sam Molly goes to log Roquan Smith right. on single on same side single back power. Roquan wins the log. Yep. Well, guess what? Jordan Howard carries you for three yards. <laughs> So it's a four-yard gain. Yep. Eagles are still on schedule, brother. Yep. So so the Eagles have have and, and I talked about the variegation, the 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 versatility of this running game before, but in no game more so than this Bears game have we seen a running game where things just hey, listen, it's the same. It's all the same. You do like you have to respect his own flow. You have to get on your horse. And if your backside defensive tackle cannot sit and split. Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, mm. I have a free six yards whenever I want it on the backside, which is just a like, massive screw you. Mm. The design of the running game is stupendous. It's like, it's, uh, I just geek out. It's so good and it's so fun. And it's because this offensive line is so athletic and it's because Jason Kelsey is so nimble and it's because Brandon Brooks is so large and it's really, really just well executed, beautiful to see, very exciting and very fun. Uh, and, and it's not sexy, and the Eagles don't score a ton of points. But boy, oh boy, for again, like, you know, the third week this season, Philadelphia got the ball with eight minutes and 39 seconds left. <laughs> Five-point game. Churn it out, baby. Absolutely. And this is all, all the way down the field. You kick a field goal with 28 seconds left. This is exactly what you needed. Right. And so, I mean, the. Um, I think I'm going to name the episode title is going to be Build the Whole Plane Out of Jeff Stoutland. Build the Whole Plane Out of Jeff Stoutland. Jeff Stoutland, defensive backs coach. Jeff Stoutland, edge rusher coach. <laughs> He's getting more 10 plus yards out of Jordan Howard than I would ever imagine. It's wild. And Howard is, I mean, like, with this type right. of blocking, he can eat all day. Which do we want to do we want to transition the conversation to the running backs? Because there's also a take. What's the take? Best game of Miles Sanders' career as a runner. I agree. I still had some issues on some zone concepts. I think he left some meat on the bone overall. Encouraging, encouraging signs, especially in space as well. See, he was never, ever, ever 
a zone running back. That's, and that that was a, my take. That was the, uh, Give them gap schemes. Right. This is such a critical thing because people see explosive and they think zone. Right. He's not. And zone is not explosive. Yeah. Zone is, do you know what you're looking at? Jordan Howard is a zone back. Yes. Because he knows what he's looking at. Now, he's athletically limited, so he's not a great zone back. Ideally, you have Miles Sanders springy. <laughs> right. Jordan Howard, I'm not stupid sometimes. It's and the reverse. Fusion dance, <laughs> and we get uh, Belkow back. <laughs> you get Dalvin Cook. Yeah. But, yeah. right, Miles Sanders, there's a, a, a quarter one, two, twelve, if I can read my own handwriting. <laughs> yes, right. So this is a, okay, so this is an example of the Eagles are in zone wine back here. Sanders is sitting and reading interior B gap when there's a ton of space out to his right to just turn the jets on and go, mm. right? He just continues to sit on the interior and he's trying to to wait for Lane Johnson to 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 get to the play side of a block that Lane's never going to get to the play side to or even try to get to the play side to. And he sits there. Jason Kelsey ends up uh, uh, losing a rep to Bilal Nichols and it's only a four-yard game. He looks like a, okay. he looks like a slalom downhill skier on this. Right. Well, this is just like, I have many choices, and I'm not sure what to look at and what to do. Okay, quarter one, 8.55, second and one. We're not in zone wine back this time. Mm. We're in same side single back power, which in case you weren't listening earlier, looks exactly the freaking same. Um, <laughs> at least initially, right? So Sanders takes this. I, uh, this is oh, the first this is time they run. This is the first time they run same side power. And watching Roquan Smith consistently meet Isaac Samalo in the hole on this play throughout the game was really fun. Because yep. since this is the first time, Samalo kicks him out. Roquan, you know, as you're taught to do as a running back, take the inside shoulder, put him up against the puller, keep the outside shoulder clean, and squeeze this thing to the inside. Yeah. And so, so that's how Roquan takes him. So now, for Sanders, this is a okay. I can't get outside. But Sanders continues to push to the outside. He continues yes. to push to the outside. Yes. Why? Yes. Because number one, the safety is the fill defender here. You want to keep him outside. Yep. You want to drag him into the line of scrimmage mm. while, you know, you 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 want to pull him down towards you so that when you cut back, He's in the he trash. doesn't have an angle to get back on top of you. Yep. Meanwhile, this also keeps the eyes of Danny Trevathan, which allows uh, Lane Johnson to get a better angle on him, which allows Lane Johnson to open up the cutback lane. Then Sanders sneaks into that cutback lane with the spryness that Jordan Howard can only dream of. He nearly breaks the last tackle on Eddie Jackson. You know, this is a, uh, an 11-yard gain from the 16th. That's a first goal at the 5. This was the second example I saw of Sanders where he pressed and helped his blockers, something that we hadn't seen from him all season. Very right. encouraging sign. Big deal. The other one that you might be thinking of is 8.54 in the second. Um, this is an, an example of, again, Miles Sanders with a five-yard run. I thought he did a really nice job not immediately jumping into daylight, but instead being slow on this run. He works into space, staring Danny Trevathan down in the big hole, pulling him to the outside so yes, that sir. Isaac Samalo can get the play side shoulder, excuse me, the backside shoulder, and then he can cut it back up upfield. It's a five-yard gain. Is yep. it is it huge gain? No, but... The Miles Sanders that I used to know, somebody I used to know, you would because he's trying to race Danny Trevathan to the corner for no freaking reason. I agree. Right. Also, the the seventeen yard run that Matt Collins pulled back, but obviously, like they had a big numbers advantage because Matt Collins decided to tackle Prince of Okamura. Yeah, all three of those were great examples of that. That's what I'm encouraged by. Right. So he's good at setting up these blocks one on one. These pullers. You know, this is an uh, this this play I'm I'm talking of right here. 
is duo and he does a great job setting up this duo block and bringing it forward for a positive gain so we're going to continue to run power concepts with sanders we're going to continue to run zone concepts with howard and we're going to hope that other teams don't figure that out quickly mm. fortunately we're only facing the patriots this week off of a bye <laughs> oh boy all right Yay! <laughs> so i think that's going to do it for the offensive side of the ball we could make a we could make the whole plane out of offensive film talk but we're gonna take a break we'll come back with some defensive talk that's coming up next here on the kist and solak show and we are back here on the kist and solak show episode 143 sb nation bleeding green nation michael kist here with benjamin solak we are doing the all 22 film review we already talked about the offense for the eagles and bears let's flip side to the eagles defense Ben, uh, look, I, I think all, and I put this on Twitter, but all the hand-wringing over the lack of production from the wide receiver position is really hiding one of my major concerns, which is the fact that this defense has only allowed less than 24 points to the following, Luke Falk, Josh Allen in 40-mile-an-hour 40, 40 wins, and Mitch Trubisky, who is in fact Josh Allen in 40-mile-an-hour wins. So, I still have That's a concern. It. I thought Mitchell Trubisky played bad football when I watched this game on Sunday. Did you? Then I watched this game again. Even even when I was I was my worst at criticizing him, I didn't think this could be his. He has hit rock bottom. The fact that that analysts are contorting themselves such as to <laughs> find ways to put this like oh like it's fifty percent on Nagy, fifty percent on Trubisky okay. is just like uh, astounding to me. Yep. That's no. Wild. If this were not a second overall pick and the Bears did not Vic Fangio their way into the playoffs last year, we would not even nearly be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Trubisky looks at open receivers and then looks the other direction. I can't even tell you what's going on in between this dude's ears. I mean, Dan Orlovsky put up, said, hey, I'm about to put on some Bears film. I want to see how many wide open receivers Mr. Trubisky misses. I'm like, first drive. First drive. He misses Anthony yep. Miller. What are you talking about? It's the uh, it's the little this little inbreaker against cover three, right? Where Avante Maddox bails, Trubisky stares right, and he's like, "Yeah, this yeah. is uh, I got to go backside." Here. And and it, and it's simple stuff. He knows it has to come out. It's it's you know a two a two by three set on the three side. He's got curls, right. and then on the other on the back side, he's got slant flat. What is he waiting for? He's it's, looking and, directly at the open guy. And this is my thing: is like when you're on the sideline as Matt Nagin, you go and you look back at the 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 still shots in the film on the Microsoft Surface, and you see that. What are you supposed to call? Right. What do you have any confidence in calling? You can't have any confidence in calling he anything. Can't, he can't. He can't throw a curl open against <laughs> cover three, and it's wide open. It's right. unbelievable. So there's, there's no point in calling an offense. Yeah. <laughs> what? There's no. There's no help for you in God. Like you just. <laughs> it's emptiness. Life is dark and black, and you're all going to die alone. Like yeah. it's just. There's nothing there. Uh. So. Right. So Trubisky played very bad. You want to? You want to? I said this to you before the podcast. I still believe this. It was probably the best coached game for Philadelphia on both sides of the board, in my opinion. I agree there's still issues. I agree there's execution problems. Mm. We saw three things on defense that were a big deal to me. Number one, more three defensive end sets. Yes, a lot of that. Heck, yeah, brother. A ton of it. And also, like, I don't know if this is going to be the long-term thing with Gerard Avery. And if it is, he probably was not worth the 2021 fourth. But the whole, like, hey, let's just take a really big bendy dude. Not really bendy, but, like, explosive and can corner. Uh, and just put him over the A-gap. I'm in there. Yeah. That's great. You know what I mean? Like, Did you see his run stop? The quickness and the violence with his hands? Like, he was oh, in for one yeah, run Oh, yeah, in 69. Remember the defense <sighs> that coward, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was so uh, That's what we call a uh, shed. That's <laughs> a technical term. Yeah. Um, no, but literally, like he, she shed that block filthy. Now he's 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 legit. Like you know, he's always had legit traits. I've always 
liked him. I'm very smart. Anyway, <laughs> um, more three defensive end sets. Brandon Graham as an interior rusher. Vinny Curry as an interior rusher. This got Josh Sweat on the field more, and oh. I thought Josh Sweat played one of his best games in recent memory. I absolutely agree. If somebody teaches Josh Sweat how to get, how to work from a long arm to a, and like, yes. I, I should rephrase this. I should rephrase this. Yeah, but, yep, I'm with you. Josh Sweat knows how to get from his long arm to the outside corner. As he continues to get more consistent at it, it's going to continue to become an issue because mm-hmm. the dude is unbelievably long, wicked strong, and can bend. And so that long arm rush, Bobby Massey, 72 is Bobby Massey, left tackle. Or is that Charles Leno? Leno. I can never remember. Leno. Leno. Big problems uh, that, that Sweat was consistently giving him. And so Sweat is, is again, far from finished. Uh, but he was getting more consistent first-team outside rush reps because of picking Brandon Graham and Vinny Curry inside. And I thought he played himself, acquitted himself quite admirably. He's continuing to improve as a run defender as well. He's clearly gotten better from year one and is getting better over the course of year two. So one, more three defensive end sets. Two, I don't know if... Jim Schwartz just thinks Avante Maddox is like, you know, the savior. But with Maddox on the field, man, they were just willing to put guys up on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Just put Maddox in man coverage against a slot receiver up on the line, and Maddox delivered. Yep. Maddox is a good cover man. You know, how he doesn't draft well. Josh Sweat and Avante Maddox for fourth round picks are playing great football. And this is and this great. is what we argued. It, it doesn't it doesn't even matter with Maddox's size. Let these guys get connected more. Let them be connected earlier in the route. And good things will happen in your pass rush. is probably going to get home a little bit more. And that's what happened in this game. That's what's happening since the Bills game. I think they started to press a little bit more. We saw more press in the Bills game than we had all season. Yes. So number, number one, number two uh, is uh, more uh, uh, press coverage. Third down. We're taking, like, there are third downs. I swear to God, Mike, you may not believe me. But there were third downs, like third and five, where there was an eagle defender within one yard of every receiver at five yards down the field. I paused it. I was like. This can't be. How? <laughs> and then finally, we stopped doing the thing where we were like, hey, maybe Nate Gary can cover this week, which is a big deal. It's a big step. It is, because they blitzed Gary a lot. Yep. They put him on the line a ton. And I, and the, the Bears, more than most offenses, give you these big surfaces. And so Gary, as the Sam linebacker when TJ Edwards is in and three linebacker sets, was playing up onto the line of scrimmage. That's where he's at his best, lets him be physical, it lets him get after the quarterback. He was used as an interior blitzer. He was used as a, you know, a sugar the A-gap and then, you know, kind of they take those two steps. It looks like I'm rushing and then I drop and I just kind of sit in a whole zone. But no more like, hey, Nate Gary's the curl flat defender. Hey, Nate Gary's the whole curl defender. I mean, they still do it. It's like if it's first and 10, they're, he's their starting linebacker and they, they, you know, if you're in cover three, you're in cover three, he's got to go cover curl flat. It's still not great, but... It happened a lot less. And in clear passing downs, I think it was pretty obvious that they were trying to get Camus and TJ Edwards uh, into short zones. And with Avanti Maddox on the field, now you can drop Malcolm Jenkins into more short zones. Uh, and you're going to have Maddox playing into the fight. You have Maddox playing the deep third. You have Maddox in man coverage. So Maddox's arrival means less Nate Gary off the ball in short zones. And that's good news mm. because he's really bad at that. So I want to dial back on something, and then I want to have some more linebacker talk. Let's go to the film. Let's go to quarter two, 13-22. This is going to be 21 personnel from the Bears. They're going to bring Cohen across on a jet sweep, try to influence this action from the linebackers. They're going to run duo here. So what Montgomery is reading, number one, you know, reading the flow and everything like that, but he's reading Nate Gary. 
Nate Gary comes to the right, to his right. He's going to go to his left. That's what happens. Now, what also happens, Josh Sweat is on the edge here against tight end Adam Shaheen. Sweat does an excellent job. Number one, squeeze the gap down. Show your helmet inside. That's going to force a bounce. And then Sweat just chucks Shaheen. It's Adam Shaheen. Though. Straight off of him. But look, I mean, this is what you want from, from your right. end man on the line of scrimmage. This is that number one, squeeze it down, force the bounce. Number two, disengage, get outside, force it back inside where now you've got guys rallying. Gary gets in there. I think Avante Maddox beats uh, Coral Patterson on a, on a block there. And this actually ends up being holding on Patterson. So not only is it is it a good play, they also force a penalty as well. So good job from Sweat. Wanted to highlight a good play from him. I forgot how good Maddox was at being a forced defender on the outside. Right. Just being able to defeat blocks with his quickness, not with his size. And we saw how beating blocks with quickness when you don't do that can end up when Brandon Brooks got a piece of haha Clinton Dix on the screen pass. <laughs> okay, so actually, yeah, that play, like, it was a great example. Brooks, amazing. Kelsey's the one who made that play, in case anyone was wondering. Yep. But, <laughs> sticking on defense, yep. not going crazy about Jason Kelsey. And that's the thing, is like, Josh Sweat, right? So this is like, you know, okay, objectively good play from Josh Sweat. He shucked Adam Shaheen. It's what he's supposed to do. Cool. This is the sort of play where, like, you know, when Derek Barnett made these plays in his rookie year, I would be like, okay, yes, but, like, he's supposed to, right? The key difference is... Barnett was drafted at 14. Mm. Joshua was drafted at 124. Correct. Or 128, or whatever the heck it was. So this is encouraging to see because of that, because he's going to be a guy that needed development, and it looks like he's flashing. Yeah, I would much rather get this caliber of play out of a uh, fourth-round pick than out of your first-round pick. Obviously, I want it from both, but I think it means more when it's your fourth-round pick. Yeah. So just like, you know, like because I have been very, not critical, but I've been very quick to point out when Derek Barnett makes good plays against tight ends. And so I don't want to think we're all just overlooking that. Uh, when it's Josh Sweat, because obviously I'm a fan of Josh Sweat, as we all know. Um, right, but anyway, no, the, the, uh, so like I said, I forgot how good Avante Maddox was good at, at playing that forced defender, turning things back inside. He did it against on, on a couple of screens. There was a Taylor Gabriel third down screen that he yep. turned inside fairly quickly. Um, really impressive quality play from him back out there again. They did Jalen Mills in the slot a bit as well. Yeah, they did. That, that was I, interesting. On some yeah, blitzes something too. something that was noted by, I think, first Bo Wolf of the athletic of birds with friends of my nightmares who you know the, the eagles before cutting anderson Deho, which they did this past week uh played more four corner two safety dime sets than they ever had previously which you know kind of uh harkens to the eventual release of Sendejo because he was a third safety when they would be playing dime and it was three safeties three corners well, now you're taking Sandejo off the field, so you're starting to prepare for defense without him. When they were in those four corner sets, you're bringing Rasul Douglas onto the field as corner four, Maddox is corner three. Nickel sets, Maddox in the slot, Ronald Darby on the outside, Jalen Mills on the outside. When Sewell comes on the field, Sewell needs to be outside. Hmm. And so they kick Jalen Mills inside. I and thought it, Mills was, a, was, was an effective slot player against Trey Barton, you know, against some tight ends. You know, he didn't, he didn't get tested too much. Um, though my favorite play in the entire game was where uh, the Tariq Cohen drop, let's see, I, I, I don't have it logged, so I was just laughing about it, so I don't know exactly what it was. While you look that up, Go quarter ahead. two, 256, the third and 10 blitz with the overload blitz by the by the Eagles because they get the center slide to Cox and they bring four versus three. That's Avery and Jenkins splitting the uh, yep. sack. That's a, if for the gentle listeners, that's an example of four cornerbacks with Mills and then Maddox working the slot. That's actually, that's actually good because on quarter two, 305, so two plays beforehand is the Tariq Cohen drop. My favorite play in the entire uh, in the entire game by a mile. One reason why: 
Jalen Mills is the outside man <laughs> coverage corner on Tariq Cohen, who's split out wide as receiver, and he's giving him like four yards of cushion. He's playing him like he's Deshaun right. Jackson. I was like, playing what the him, heck? Giving him four yards of cushion. Tariq Cohen hits this curl route. Jalen Mills is in no position to make a play on this football. <laughs> Jalen Mills is like, I got to be careful for this guy's speed. Right. Meanwhile, in the, in the third quarter, when the Bears run two verts, uh, 104 left in the third quarter, Jalen Mills again, uh, you know, he's in bail coverage. Al Robinson just screams right by him. Did no one tell you that Allen Robinson might. You'd be slightly more likely to go downfield than Tariq Cohen is. Mills got credit for this play. Mills is flat out beat. Robinson accelerates clean past him by a couple yards. If the Tariq Cohen curl route were not my favorite play of the game, this would be my favorite play of the game. Because, again, I'm not joking. It's two verticals from the outside receivers. And breaks the defense. One of them comfortably uncovers. Yeah. It's a two-man concept, and they're both running straight lines. I don't, I don't understand why Mills is is so locked into Trubisky, and he's not steering himself outside to cut off and feel the route from Robinson, so he can understand where he is in relation to. He lets him right in his blind spot, and then by the time he realizes it's too late, the only reason this is not a touchdown is because Mitchell Trubisky underthrows this thing, and Allen Robinson right. has to spend six steps gearing down to go up and get it. Mills, by the way, looks like he's going to jump, does not jump. He tries to turn at the same time. And then tries to turn at the same time. He, like, just stays stuck to the ground. So then what happens is he doesn't get a hand on the ball when it initially hits Robinson. He gets it and starts to try to rip it out when they go to the ground. I think the ground forces the incompletion. Uh, No, I mean, like, Mills clearly screws with the catch point. His hand is in there, but Robinson also comes violently down on his back. Right, but that's part of having your hand in there. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying it's both. I'm saying this was not a good play, and Mills did not. Too mean to Jalen. Mills did not have his hand on the ball until they got to the ground. What are you talking about? I agree. (laughs) I mean, this. It's. I'm fine with the disruption of the catch point. Yeah. For what it is, the fact is, it's woefully inaccurate ball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This should have been back to. Like you know, are we calling this a missing a wide open receiver? Because if we're not, we should be. Mm. You know. Yep. Um, yeah. So this again, one of four quarter three, two verts, the kryptonite of the Philadelphia Eagles offense. I mean, it's just like you you look at this, and then you look at the Eagles with Seattle and Russell Wilson against Josh Gordon, Taylor Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf in three weeks. How are you going to survive? One of the most heavy play action teams of all time who loves these deep shots. Killing me. It's not gonna be good. If you can't solve these problems. so And that's why I'm concerned. And look, there's so much I want to get to, but I, I do want to pitch it to you for something that you broke down on Twitter. But number one, watch the first plays of the game, gentle listener, of Fletcher Cox, because that immediately right. tells you all you need to know about his game. If I broke something down on Twitter, go find it on Twitter. Like, what do you want to talk about? Okay. All right. So find Ben's breakdown. I, I retweeted it, too. You can find it on my timeline, too. But Ben broke down the inverted cover two bust to Taylor Gabriel, where, again, Ronald yeah. Darby... Cannot, and, and was asked to do, like, Gary wasn't carrying that route or anything. Like, he's supposed to leave a guy wide open to go get a deep zone. And it's just, he cannot, he gets just mentally, they cannot do it. They need to stop. A two-man route combination just completely undoing, again, this freaking defense. And then there's the bus route to Montgomery that was bad as well. Uh, I want to talk linebackers real quick because Nate Gary missed three freaking tackles in this game. And they did a better job of hiding him, as you mentioned before. But when you look at PFF's tackling efficiency metric, Gary is 82nd out of 90. Nigel Bradham is 87th out of 90. 
they need to do something with this linebacker run because I felt Kamugurje Hill and TJ Edwards again outplayed Gary and Bradham hasn't been Bradham. Maybe, maybe the Bears game last year he was really good, but for stretches say, yeah. hasn't looked like the Nigel Bradham of 2017 when he was probably a top five off ball linebacker in the league and earned that contract extension. I have zero faith that he's going to come back and be the Bradham that we expect him to be. Look, same thing with Timmy Jernigan, by the way, who got outplayed by a couple of street free agents in this game, and hopefully it's just a health issue and he comes back off the bye, ready to kill some people. But we haven't seen 2017 Timmy Jernigan since 2017. Anyway, back to the linebacker position. Nigel Bradham's contract. He's got three option years left, an average of $10.4 million per year. The next possible out is this offseason. It would save a total of $4.5 million after 5.3 in dead cap, he is not worth that contract with the level that he's been playing at for the last couple of years. They're getting bad linebacker play, and they're playing the wrong ones. I heard they tried to trade Zach Brown for LJ Fort after they cut him. What is what? Jolie doing? Wait, how'd you never told me this? I just I had a beat reporter tell me, someone on the slide said that, that they tried to trade Zach Brown before they cut him. I wish the listeners could see the face I'm making right now. For LJ Fort. What stupid positional management roster construction move is that? And I put it on the coaches. Why weren't you playing LJ Fort? Now you want to trade for him? Are you out of your minds? You got to be kidding me. And then you're going to have Nigel Bradham cost an average of $10.4 million over the next three years. If you cut him, it's $5 million in dead cap. That's a loss. That's a big loss. It is. And I don't anticipate them doing it. I am of the opinion that like, while Bradham, who, let's be honest, is not being supported by, like, a bevy of other great linebackers. Still an average linebacker, but... Bruh. Right. What I'm saying is, like, what, like, the, the the performance we've seen from him in 2019 is demonstrably, like, the low end of his ability over the past four years he's been in Philadelphia, right? So, it could be, like, he's got a big new contract, he's on the decline, he's taking the edge off, that's the thing that we've seen before, but also, like, he could just be playing better. He's also been banged up this year. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I don't think that, that the past eight games are the best representative sample for how good of a player he is, which is he out of his mind. Fantastic. No, but I still think he's a good linebacker. People say that the Eagles like don't value the linebacker position. They're paying this guy serious money and he's just, right. they're just not getting the results, man. Jordan it's... Hicks is out there playing good ball for Arizona. Yeah. Go figure. It was the right move. It's just still sad. I know I know it's the right move. The problem is apparently all these guys regress with this coaching staff. This comes down to build the plane out of Stoutland and Justin Peel and not from these other linebackers. Flagioli's got to go. Carson Walsh, the wide receivers coach, has got to go. It's going to be like their six wide receivers coach in the last six years. Most of these Make guys got to go. out of Jeff Stoutland. Just out of Jeff Stoutland. Well, this is the thing. It's like how much control does Flagioli have over the linebacker rotation? It's either Flagioli or Schwartz is who I'm blaming. Right. You know? but and, this, and by the way, something's... this is huge for Schwartz these next two weeks. Gigantic for him, but go ahead. Well, and he gave up 75 combined total points to the Minnesota Dallas Cowboys yeah. and the Minnesota Vikings. Right. So how you think New England, Seattle? I'm like, New England's an average offense, but you think Belichick isn't going <laughs> to... Yeah. You know, it's going to be like 180 yards for Philip Dorsett, man. He has to save his job. These next two games are about say if he does that again, what do they care? Well, you say that, but we could have said that about Nate Gary. We've said that about Nelson Aguilar. Like, you know, they should be getting people, but they seem to really value continuity. 
Even when what is continued is not good. And this is why we're so negative after two wins. I thought it was. I thought they they did a good job pitching changeups that we've been asking for on mm-hmm. the front four. The blitzes were nice, right? I I very much appreciated the increase of corners at the line of scrimmage. I think that is objectively a big deal. It helps your pass rush. Mm-hmm. But right, the the same issues abound in terms of the ability of the secondary to pass off routes in deep zones and continue to cover down the field with the suboptimal corners that they're fielding. Their linebackers continue to gobble up play action like starving dogs. Um, so yeah, you've got, I agree that the, 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 the overarching issues aren't going away, even if they, they coached a nice game against Chicago. I mean, like, right. And it's funny because like with Aguilar, you say, put in Arthur Whiteside. With Gary and with TJ Edwards, who's not good. I mean, like, and that's fine. He's undrafted free agent and he wasn't supposed to be good. But, like, there's a faction that's like, hey, TJ Edwards is good. He really isn't. Um, he's, he's, he's acquitting himself well for, for the situation he's in. Who, what, Duke Riley? And now you lost Sendejo, who's a box safety, to recoup a fourth round compensatory selection. Makes sense. Rudy Ford? Gonna go in there, play some significant snaps? Mm. You know, get, get yourself some DeAndre Hall? No. I think they're going to rock four corners and have it, have it be the Maddox show. I think that's Maddox coming back was big for them. And I, and I, and it's funny because Andrew Sandejo, who I don't expect to be on FS1 is going to be like, how he kept joking with me about how he was going to cut me after night. It was a big running joke. Everybody was laughing. He right. winked and smiled at me. He was dead serious, brother. You were gone by week 10. This is a fact. You got to have, you know, more impact plays than unnecessary roughness penalties in order to stay on the team. Yeah, and don't kill the safety slash corner better than you. (laughs) Also, yeah, like, this defense (laughs) is good with Maddox. Please try to keep him on the field in the future. (laughs) Ben, any other uh, takes from this game before we get out of here? I knew knew this was going to be a long one. I would have really loved to just, like, dedicate an hour to each side of the ball because I feel like we really could in this game. But uh, anything else you want to sound off before we get out of here? Rodney McLeod? Not playing as well as people seem to think he is. He is not. I agree. I think that, like, we don't know what this defense could look like with, like, a true impact center fielder in the backfield. And, like, that's a little unfair because there's, like, what, four? In the but if well, you had I mean, one. If you had, a like, an elite center fielder in a cover three defense, what would that look like the Seahawks defense when they were content? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, and, like, that's fair. But also, like, you know, you got good young players and, like, Jesse Bates and Justin Simmons who've been drafted in recent years for Cincinnati and Denver playing good single high. Never heard and, of them. Never pounded the table for them at all. No, ben. not even once. Not right, even so once. I'm going to continue to mock Grant Delpit to the Eagles because I just <laughs> DGAF. Jay Kelly is perfect. Sorry, that's just in my notes. I don't know why. You <laughs> missed an extra point. How do you... Oh, the Darren Sproles... Uh, two minute drills put in sprawls. Stupidest thing in the face of the planet. Oh, what are you Miles doing? Sanderson there. What are you doing? Come on. Uh, those are all my takes. All right. Love it. Ben, that's going to do he it. He didn't miss an extra point. I don't even know why he would say that. That's going to do it for us. Uh, gentle listeners, I am going to be taking a vacation after this. This is my last pod before the vacation. There's going to be something else from John Stolness on the feed coming your way, but we're going to give you a break. We're going to take a break ourselves, and we're going to hit you back up uh, early next week. So enjoy your bye week and your Sunday of football. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners for about five or six days. Oh, but that's so sad. I know, well, isn't it? Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Soul Life show. But I'm not yeah. canceling my vacation. I don't care how sad you are. Here on BGN Radio, this is the end. For the next six days, after that, it's going to be regular New England Patriots planning Super Bowl revenge game. <laughs> have they played each other? No, they haven't. In the preseason, they, they did, right? Just the preseason. That doesn't count. All right. Somebody dial up old St. Nick. 
a little pep talk, introduce some quarterback controversy. Well, Nick Foles scored 21 points in the And let's get big spicy. (laughs) Nick Foles went from winning the Super Bowl to being like, maybe he's going to lose his job to Gardner Minshew in like 18 months. That's amazing. He has the weirdest career arc in the planet. Anyway, Eagles play the Patriots. We'll get you ready for that game. Uh, But like Mike said, it's the bye week. So Mike's taking his foot off the gas and deservedly so. He's the one who produces such a tremendous feed for you, which, by the way, if you want to show him love, Go ahead and like the feed, rate the feed, subscribe to the feed, review the feed. Those are all the verbs. Yeah. Rub the feed, whatever you got to do. Oh, listen, probably that one too. Continue <laughs> listening. Uh, and, and yeah, absolutely. You know, tell us what you enjoyed. Tell us what you don't. Design funny things for us if you have that in your toolbox because they give us a laugh. He's with Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. It's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Enjoy your bye week. Stress-free. Prepare for a fun second half of the season. Thank you so much for listening. We all we got. We all we need. I just clocked out. I'm on vacation. P-G-N.